So what's the matter with you guys? Come on, what's the matter? What is this, a nuclear Saturday or something? Come on, guys. This is our last weekend together. Last goony weekend. We gotta be going out in style. Cruising the coast. Sniffing some lace. Down in the bruise. But no! Episode 79 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. Make sure to visit us at our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. And make sure to check out my uh, upcoming novel release coming out in October. You can head over to uh, Mask Books, M A S. Q-U-E, books.com, and uh, get uh, the release information there. So a little advertisement here, a little sponsor for the show. Well, that's a good idea. I, it's, still, it's still a ways away. It's still October, right, until it's released? Yeah, and the okay. title is Nova Byzantium by uh, me, your humble host, Matthew Rivette. Pretty solid title. You should, didn't put like a... Uh you should have put like a subtitle, like uh, the uh, first in the in the Gilded Dawn series. <laughs> Gilded Dawn. You know, series titles for science fiction novels are almost uh, as contrived as uh, suburban developments. You know, yeah. like Ridgecrest or Green Arbor or any of that crap. So oh, the first in the White Oaks trilogy. That's right. <laughs> exactly. The first in the Viewlands trilogy. Uh, so any show news this week? Uh, let's see here. Well, not, I mean, I usually like that part of my weird, weirdly, whenever you say show news, I think, what else did I watch this week? Yeah. I don't know what reason. show news, show news is anything that you have to talk about other than the movie. This so is the small kind of, talk before we get into yeah, it. Yeah. This is the chit chat. See, I watched a classic, uh, Patrick Swayze movie this week, Steel Dawn. Oh, is that like, he's like a, like, it's like a cyborg 80s it's film po- or post-apocalyptic, yeah, sort of oh. natural disaster, and he plays an ex-military officer that uh, is an expert uh, martial artist and sword master, and he has to protect a, a woman and her child from, like, a, a, a evil developer. <laughs> yeah, because everybody has the sword master skills in the post-apocalypse that's uh, outside of a few kendo uh, martial artists, I'm sure it's just rife with... Uh, Sword masters of it. Anyway, never mind. Yeah, there's all sorts of old stuff, you know, that they're they've kept from society, like all piping and and uh, makeshift yeah. devices they make. But all guns have disappeared. Oh well, so there's no know. guns any longer. Which is it's sort of like weird. it's like an anti-America, really. It's all melee weapons. Yeah. Uh, okay. So how's his hair? How was his hair? Yeah, it was beautiful. It was really the other people's hair that was weird. A lot of '80s. <laughs> Sort of frizzy outfits. Everybody looked like they're from, uh, just got off stage from a Poison concert. Oh, back in the day, back in the future history. This week, our film is Goonies, released in 1985. I didn't know it was that long ago. A little plot rundown here. Samwise Gamgee and his other three companions go on a subterranean adventure looking for... Tri- oh, no, that's that's the other Sean Astin movie. That's Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, there's more than three shit. companions. Lord of the Rings. The yeah, sorry. Okay, no. <laughs> Adapted by Chris Columbus from a story by Steven Spielberg, the film follows a group of misfit kids, including such second-generation Hollywoodites as Josh Brolin and Sean Astin, as they search for buried treasure in a subterranean cavern. Here they cross the path of lady criminal Mama Fratelli, played by Anne Ramsey, and her outlaw brood. Fortunately, the kids managed to befriend Fratelli's hideously deformed but soft-hearted son. I was going to say soft-headed son. Soft-hearted son. does look like his head's a little soft. <laughs> uh, Sloth, played by John Matuzak, who comes to their rescue. The Spielberg influence is most pronounced in the film's prologue and epilogue when the viewer is advised that the film's real villains are a group of evil land developers. This movie has Spielberg all over it. The thing about this film is that it's uh, it's got a little of Spielberg schmaltzy bullshit. But the thing is, it's very specifically a children's movie. It is. It's not necessarily trying to make a big point about human society outside of this developer thing, which is a real pretty small part of it. But it's not really a movie for adults that's schmaltzy. It's a movie for kids that's schmaltzy. And so in a way, it sort of fits. I saw this movie in the theater with my mom when it came out. Uh, I don't know 
uh, how old I was. How old was I? Like 12. I think I was 12 at the time. Oh, yeah. I was 11, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I love the shit out of the film. And I think a lot of kids of this generation, uh, this is sort of buried in their, uh, I don't know, uh, adolescent consciousness. Uh, yeah, it got burnt into a few uh, bundles of neurons. Yeah, I know a lot of people who uh, have taken like this to the next level. I think uh, an acquaintance of mine, uh, she had some kind of Goonies tattoo. And I think it was some of like the uh, Spanish script from the map or something. She had a little bit of it tattooed on her. Mm. Don't ask me the, what the, or The where. Spanish script that would rhyme. When it was translated, it rhyme in English when they translated it from uh, <laughs> Well, the thing about Spanish is every other word rhymes because it either ends in A or O. You know? yeah. So you got a, you got a pretty uh, uh, broad spectrum of the dictionary to work from when you're rhyming in Spanish. So, uh, yeah, and uh, I love this movie so much when we were on like a mini vacation down to the coast in Long Beach, Washington. Man, our coast is just not cut out for vacationing. I know people like to think Washington coast is like a uh, – and northern Oregon coast, which is a lot more beautiful than the Washington coast, I'm here to tell you. Uh, Washington coast is just kind of flat, and the Oregon coast has all the stuff you see in the movie, which is sort of the sea stacks and kind of mountains mm. coming and crashing into the sea and uh, a lot more interesting landscapes. But uh, Washington coast – I don't know. It's just, it's always fucking cold. Uh, People try to make a stab at taking vacations out there. I think it was sort of a vacation getaway back in, uh, you know, the 50s, 60s when people could just drive out there and nobody hopped on planes as much. Uh, Have you ever been out there much? Uh, You know, I've taken a couple trips to the coast. You know, I probably should get out there more often. I I sort of like it, especially when it's stormy. Uh, Uh, I did some clamming out there, which is pretty fun. Yeah, people like to go clamming. Years ago, I threw up my back really bad because there's a lot of strain on the lower back use yeah. those i don't know if you've ever done it use those use these tubes with like an air hole yep. that you you plug and then you just jam it in and take up a big plug of wet sand with your razor clam in it but boy oh, yeah. it is it weighs a ton yeah uh so we were vacationing down there and uh then we were driving down to portland to see my uncle who lived there at the time so we crossed that big bridge over the mouth of the Columbia River, which uh, I don't know how long that bridge is. It's a big bridge. And then it kind of rises up near Astoria to let the uh, big ships through Yeah, uh, where the pilots come out. And then they navigate it down the Columbia to Portland or wherever they're going. Uh, so we drove down there, and I was, like, fresh off of seeing the Goonies maybe that previous summer. And so I demanded my parents look for the goondocks. I was like, oh, we got to, you know, they got to be here somewhere. My parents are like, yeah, whatever. And so where where did they film the goondocks? They look like a real, it didn't look like a set. No, it was uh, Astoria. Oh, you mean the inside of the house? Well, no, the outside of the house. That was, it was was an actual neighborhood, right? Yeah. So we were driving uh, out of town and I look up on the hill and I was like, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, what? It's like, can you just drive up there and, and see? And so we drove right up the street, and uh, it kind of teased there at the end because the, the hill's there. And up there, there's those two houses, you know, where uh, I guess gravel Ashton and Josh Brolin, and their gravel driveways, and then Data's house and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. So uh, it was kind of cool. I wonder cool. if there's a little, was there a placard or other kids no. running around there? No. Uh, I think since there's a Goonies festival in Astoria, you know, they kind of kind of pump up the, the tourism uh, uh, there in that little town. I wonder if they filmed inside that house as well. Probably not. Yeah, it looked kind of dingy. It looked like one of those old Northwest dingy houses. that. Uh, yeah, that's why they were going to tear it down and add on a golf course to the Astoria Country Club. Yeah. yeah. It just made it's good kinda... sense. And they had, they had to... Uh, Rebuild all their clubhouses too, because the plumbing was a mess. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you could you could pull on some copper pipe in one part of town, and then uh, the the uh, water fountain in another corner of town would sink down about two feet. So I tell you, all those plumbers had to go down in that old uh, cavern, but didn't bother going to find the 
pirate ship. They just right. did their plumbing business and then came back up through that restaurant and called it good. Right. Yeah. There was uh, uh, booby traps and everything, you know, dead skeletons. And they're like, hey, don't go down that way. Yeah. I there's think a dead skeleton. <laughs> some pirate legend. I don't know. We don't we don't bother. Hey, man, you're on the clock. When you're on the clock, <laughs> you're sweating pipes. All right. You want to come down here, explore, do it on your own time, buddy. That's right. Yeah. And you can see how well they paid attention to their work because the, the piping in that junction uh, is, uh, you know, NASA caliber, whatever they were doing down there. Well, but, they did the classic maneuver with, uh, with the, it's a classic rookie rookie mistake. You do all the plumbing, you set all the plumbing in below the foundation. Right. And then you cement over it. <laughs> yeah. Went too deep. Bad idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> as we all know that pipes never leak and they never need to be replaced. So once they're in there. Well, you know, there are, they do sometimes put drain pipes and sewer pipes in concrete because you really aren't really going to need to replace those out on the slab in my garage they did galvanized pipe up for a few of the uh, sinks out there and then when i had a place repiped they just went through the attic with packs which was a much better idea yeah anyway but uh, yeah the goondocks i think there's 50 houses in that part of town that they're just going to mow down for a that's the plot line i mean where did you get that from the movie no, yeah, they said that. They're going to, like, rip down 50 of those houses. Oh, that's right. You're the first. There's 50 more to go after your house. That's exactly. Right, in. Yeah, yeah. Which, if you've ever been through Astoria, is like half the town. <laughs> they're going to rip, like, half the town down to put a fucking golf club for, like, the three rich assholes that live there. I wonder if there really is a uh, Astoria Golf and Country Club and if they were pissed. They're like, hey. Because it's pretty common for towns. I mean, I live right across from the Everett Golf and Country Club. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, now I'm going to have groupies stopping by all the time. Shit. Yeah. How much is it for a membership to that country club? Do you know? I don't know. It's uh, outside of my price range, but my price range, I don't know. Ten grand a year? That's all. I don't. I really don't know. It's mostly old white guys there. They yeah. golf, and then there's a bunch of Mexican guys that mow the lawn really early in the morning. Right. It's a symbiotic relationship between Mexicans yeah. and rich white guys, it seems to yeah, uh, work out. Yeah, I think it's more of a... Uh, a uh, not really what's the opposite of a symbiotic relationship uh, uh exploitative relationship <laughs> yeah, yeah it's more like that <laughs> uh yeah so that's the premise of the film and for whatever reason everybody that lives there has to clear to clear out a town and move five states away i don't quite understand <laughs> i know it works tight in that corner of uh our our region but uh you know like data's family they got to move to detroit i don't know where uh, Sean Aston. What's their last names? What are the Aston and Brolin family's name? Uh, oh, Mikey and Brand. That's it. They don't have yeah, last I, names. I don't know if we caught their last name. but uh, Nobody has a last name, surprisingly, except for the Fratellis. You sort of feel that... Um, Walsh. Walsh is their last name. You sort of feel that everybody else sold out. Like, the country club didn't use the, the sacred right of rich people everywhere to petition their local government to use eminent domain to obtain... Uh, <laughs> property for their uh, developments right but uh that the, what they did is they bought everybody out in that uh mikey and brand's family was the last holdouts but they had some financial problems which uh sort of weakened their position but then at the end you sort of see that all the other families didn't really want to move either it, everybody couldn't have been fucked as far as finances well okay so they're getting foreclosed on but then I was trying to figure that out. So eminent domain. Yeah, not everybody could be getting foreclosed on. Yeah. And obviously, they weren't using eminent domain. Otherwise, whether you find a bag of jewels or not doesn't make any difference. Uh, you can, I mean, if a developer wants to buy your land, they just keep upping the price until you're like, Jesus, I can't. You know, they keep like, upping the price until it's cheaper to bribe off the local government to condemn your land. Yeah. So, I mean, at the time, that house may have been worth like forty, fifty thousand dollars uh, on the, the market. 80s? Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice, it's a big house. It's a great view. It's probably worth quite a bit, especially if you put some condos up there. You know, the Astoria is like one of the rainiest parts of Oregon and Washington. Uh, there was, uh, oh, Cliff Mass. He's a University of Washington uh, meteorologist and he has a blog. It's really good. <clears throat> and uh, he was talking about the Lewis and Clark expedition, who's, where, their, where their terminus was, which was in Astoria there. And Meriwether Lewis was clinically depressed, according to his writings and some of the accounts for that winter. They were stuck out in Astoria because it's just so fucking rainy. And he did like a, a weather map of precipitation over time. And there's this giant green dot 
on top of Astoria where it just like gets twice as much rain. If they would have walked like five or ten miles on any other side of Astoria, it would have been less rainy. They picked mm. the most fucking rainiest spot. And I don't know why that is, but uh, so Astoria is just moldering with water. And I kind of got that if they filmed inside that house in Astoria because the wallpaper all kind of looked a little bubbled and warped. Mm -hmm. Uh, The houses just kind of have this mustiness. And you could almost tell from looking at the inside of that house that it just had this, you know, dampness to it. And uh, the kid, uh, Sean Astin, or uh, what was his name? Mikey had asthma. Mold problem. Yeah, it's it'd probably be a good fucking idea to get him out of that place. <laughs> thinking, yeah, you know, yeah, move to Phoenix or something. You can get some good deals on houses down there. <laughs> take the take take the developer money and uh, get yeah, out. Just take the you know. move the goondogs and mass take over a whole neighborhood in Phoenix. Exactly. So they were getting foreclosed on, but that you would go f- get foreclosed on because you couldn't make your payments. But yeah. what were they making? They had to. I don't. I don't understand. I guess I didn't yeah, every, understand. Well, how. either they were. Everybody else must have already been paid off. And then they still would have, everybody else wouldn't have kept their houses either. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Unless the family owned the whole neighborhood and rented to everybody. <laughs> well, I, that would be the I, only explanation, which is a possibility if the family had come from money and had, uh, you know, run on hard times. So the whole neighborhood was being foreclosed on, like they owned the whole neighborhood or something. It's so, possible. It doesn't matter when you're a 12-year-old kid watching the Goonies, yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's just their last Goonie weekend, so their last hurrah. Yeah. And, They're going to uh, go sniff some lace, <laughs> which, is why, which is one of the sayings from our opening audio. that I watched that like three times. He did not say sniff lace. And he what did, what does that something. mean? What, it means lace? getting pussy. Oh, really? He's getting, getting down, getting in there with the swimwear sort of business. Oh, all right. Wow. Well, that, you know, it's mouth. He's sort of talking. Yeah. He's always talking. Little shit. Randy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a little obsessed. Uh, he, yeah, plus he's, he's, he, plus he's going going after what's her name, uh, Martha uh, Plimpton. Not Andy, but uh, is Plimpton? Yeah. Steph. 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 Martha yeah. Plimpton. Right. Yeah, he's he's uh he's going to go outside of his class. He's going up a year or two. Yeah, he's going to get like uh you know he's going to work at the 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 Lubrac and get some. 19-year-old pregnant eventually. That's kind of what I see cut out for Mikey there. Oh, really? I, I, always, I guess I always saw him going to, you know, doing business school or something. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. You, you, We're start, you, you see a lot own, more for uh, business. for Corey Feldman than I did. He's got a, so. he's got a motor, you know? <laughs> That's the most important thing. He's got a motor. He can, he'll get stuff done. He won't sit around and worry about his asthma like that other kid. Yeah. Fucking asthmatic kids. They were always a pain in the ass. Worthy of derision. <laughs> He'd be yeah. allergic to peanuts as well today. Oh God, the peanut kids, man! <laughs> Don't get me started. And uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll end up having a peanut kid. I hope. No, not. you We're won't have a peanut kid, but you won't you won't be able to send your kid to school with a peanut butter sandwich. He'll be verboten <sighs> from the lunchroom. Cashew uh, butter, uh, almond butter, Mister Mister R. Uh, <laughs> we saw today that uh, you sent so a little. So. Uh, it's a girl. Uh, Janie, I don't know Jennifer. Jennifer, I would never name Madison. Her Jennifer. You Madison. sent little Madison, yeah, Madison. to school. <laughs> Laquisha, yeah. you sent little Laquisha <laughs> oh, yeah. to school with a peanut butter and jam sandwich. Now you know, <laughs> you signed that release, that uh, commitment, uh, uh, right? Promise uh, paperwork at the beginning of the school year not to send peanuts to school. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's evolution working itself out right there. Uh, Anyway, uh, oh, by the way, goon, goonies, which is to take off on the word goon. Do you know where goon came from? I looked this uh, up. You know, I don't, I don't really know where goon came from. I mean, I, guess I just have the modern connotation of the word goon. Yeah, goon came from Popeye the Sailor Man. Uh, the character really? Alice the Goon uh, Alice was the goon. of the tribe, the goon tribe. And she was somehow a slave of the sea hag. And I don't remember the the ins and outs. I don't. Uh, I don't. That's not. Doesn't sound familiar at all. Is that not in the movie? No, it's not in this movie. No, no it's not in the. Popeye it's all like movie. the old cartoons or comic strips back okay. in the day. Hmm. And uh, if you have you ever seen Alice the Goon? No, I never have. Alice the Goon is a freak show, man. She's like nine foot tall, androgynous mm-hmm. looking. Has like hairy legs and arms. Go and, on. 
and talks like <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty creepy shit. And uh, anyway, so Alice the goon, and then goon uh, just came out of that eventually, and uh, that's where we get the word from. Uh, yeah, Popeye okay. the Sailor Man. That's yeah. interesting. How quickly things can enter uh, widespread use. And strictly argue... American. Is it is it work back into uh, British English? I wonder. No, I don't think so. I think it was an American thing. I'm pretty sure. I don't remember Popeye in an English voice. Well, I'm just wondering accent. if it's worked its way back over the pond. Yeah. Or if it's strictly American English. Isn't Maybe. It? Although a Jeep came from Popeye the Sailor Man, too, some may argue. So there what? you go. A Jeep, Jeep and Goon. Yeah. So they named the military vehicle after a word in Popeye? Uh, a creature, a magical creature in Popeye, Jeep, who was like this weird little magical dog. And the Jeep would, like, walk up walls and upside down. He was kind of like a, a, a gecko or a fly. He just stuck to everything. Uh-huh. And so when they came up with the Jeep, it was it could go anywhere type of that was the that was the uh, oh that's why they use that term that's yeah. weird i never realized so. the universe of popeye was so <laughs> well populated with characters and interesting ideas that's right and spinach still good for you to this day uh oh, some may argue canned spinach i always wonder what what is the like by weight what percentage of canned spinach is insect matter <laughs> it's gotta be huge oh uh, so uh Anyway, the movie itself, the adventure, uh, they find the this map, and uh, which is, I guess, and then they head out to Cannon Beach, uh, which, by the way, is about 30 miles away from Astoria. So you'd be riding your uh, BMX a long ways. Oh, no wonder to... it was so dark when they finally got to that nice restaurant. <laughs> I think the, well, man, they get into a tunnel there. And then the, all of a sudden they're under the Astoria Country Club, like thirty miles away. So I'm thinking yeah. there's a little space dilation that's occurring in the movie. That's okay. Just a tad. Did, did you put that together when you were twelve in the theater? Going, come on, guys, no. that's Cannon Beach. That's like thirty yeah. miles. I've never been to Cannon. I, I'd never been to Cannon Beach until actually like within the last five years. I just went. Oh, down really? There. Yeah. Have you been down there? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. There's, isn't there a big rock or something in the water? There's Haystack Rock, which yeah. is. Uh, is that where the, the boat was supposed to be inside that rock? No, the boat's just that sort of uh, supposed to be coming yeah. out of a cliff or something. Yeah, it's supposed to be coming out of a cliff. But uh, down mm. in Cannon Beach, there's it's like a tourist spot. There's like a bunch of local artists. One of those kind of deals, like a local getaway spot. And uh, there's a pizza place there that plays Goonies on repeat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's just they That's put have like a v- old VHS tape or maybe it's a DVD now. And yeah. they just uh, put that thing on repeat, so it just goes through, and then once it's done, it kicks right back over to the front of the movie and oh, man. keeps Can you going. Imagine working there. <laughs> they turn the they turn the volume down. I oh, think okay. you know, and they put it in a corner where like the kids are, so they don't have to actually like listen to it. I'm sure we should go there and just like uh, play all the characters, do like a two man show in front of that television, <laughs> where each play each play. Oh, I'm gonna man. I get the line sniffing some lace. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I don't know, man. We're like about twenty five minutes into the podcast. What what do we want to talk about specifically with regard? Well, to, first uh, let's Goonies. talk about the characters. These okay. are terrible, horrible, two dimensional, racist, <laughs> racist. Yeah. Look at this. Let's just start with the worst, the most egregious. Chunk Data. Not he's the fat Who? kid. He yeah. Chunk. Oh, the chunk. fat kid. He's uh, fat. He's a liar pathological i mean they use that over and over again he likes to prank call the cops he yeah. tells tall tales all the time so first he's he's just a straight up liar nobody believes him he's cried wolf too many times this happens like th- at three different occasions throughout the story uh he's incredibly clumsy he has yes. a lot of cowardice he's scared of everything right uh, he's of course since he's fat he's always hungry yeah he's like ridiculously hungry all the time <laughs> it doesn't, he's got it doesn't i mean he'll he'll eat yeah he, yeah, he's just always thinking about his uh, his stomach before anything else. And uh, to top it all off, he's Jewish. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, he mentions his bar mitzvah or something, right? Yeah. So yeah. that that's just offensive. Uh, well, and I, and, you uh, should see a picture of Jeff Cohn now. Uh, oh, he, is, is he a handsome fellow? He is extremely handsome. He really? is. Uh, he lives in L.A. He's a founding partner of Conan Gardner LLP, a, uh, a law firm. Oh, so he is Jewish. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. He's an he's an attorney in in L.A. and 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 Jewish. Surprise! I was expecting wow. him to be like a, a you know an oil rig worker or something. So he's a pretty um, decent looking guy. Uh, did you take a look at him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah. sort of baldy, but he went with the uh, with the five o'clock shadow on the scalp. I know. That's a good look. Yeah, he is totally. I mean, you know, was he that fat of a kid in this movie? No, not compared to these days. He was a fat kid. I, I mean, his face was puffy, but he wasn't like. I mean, he had to like really like scrunch he was, he was down fat. to get his he fat was, was, going for the truffle shuffle. Kid. Yeah, the truffle right. shuffle. Very, yeah. very offensive. Then, of course, the <laughs> second most offensive is Data. Oh, Data's terrible. The Asian kid Data is fucking who likes terrible. To make little. <laughs> oh know, like, man, he, he keeps mispronouncing words over a booty trap. <laughs> mispronounces words endlessly and doesn't realize he's not saying the phonics correctly over and over and over he makes he's a techie with all sorts of little inventions right. that sometimes work and sometimes don't which means he's really good at math we're just going to yeah. go ahead and throw that stereotype yeah. out there so yeah. that that's just that's just that's in every well, beyond that uh it's not too bad those are just the really two offensive stereotypes that would never ever fly in today's movies the, the people that have any sort of ethnic affiliation in the film or uh immediately stereotyped mm-hmm. so uh, well wait a minute uh the, the, the fat kid that's just a uh, wh- why is that so bad what's wrong with chunk it's because it's he's he, but he's jewish on top of it oh and well, he's just coward, because he's jewish he comes, he, yeah but it's also fatism man it's sizes oh you had yeah you were a fat kid right you know you what happens if there's some, you know, you've seen it a million times, a neighborhood watch guy follows the fat guy with Skittles in his hands, <laughs> draws his guns, oh, shoots him dead in the middle yeah. of the dark. Nobody wow. cares. Self-defense. Yeah. It's fucking outrageous. Mark, Mark's trying to bring some contemporary, uh, I guess, socio-po- sociopolitical angle in here after the, yeah. the the George Zimmerman. Another Jew. Another fat Jew. You know, I walk around the street and people cower. I go, you don't have to be mad at me just because I'm fat. You know, I'm not, gu- <laughs> not going to eat you. I just get sick and tired of it. All right. Mark's uh, taking issue with uh, the running rough shot over the fat stereotype in the film. So, uh, Carrie Green, she was hot, man. That oh, Andy? Hot. Yo, wow. You know what she looked like? She looked just like um, that girl that made Hermione in the uh, Harry Potter movies. I forget. I, forget I never watched those. Actress. Never yeah, watched anyways. them. She's pretty famous these days. I forget her name. But I thought that... Uh-huh. Uh, the girl who played Andy looked a lot like her, so she was pretty good looking, you know. Wow, yeah, those those petite redheads in high school. You would tag that sixteen year old? Is that what you're telling me, Matt? Well, I mean, come on, man. This is a when I was twelve, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there uh, was the the goofy girl, uh, yeah, Martha Plimpton. Yeah, yeah. she's what happened uh, to Martha Plimpton? Anyways? Is she like? She's like. I think she has famous parents. I want to say, yeah, she has showbiz in her blood. Uh, she's she was uh, uh, oh uh, she's uh, her parents Keith Carradine and Shelley Plimpton Keith Carradine that's not uh, the masturbator asphyxiator that's his it? son Keith Carradine uh, I don't know no he's uh, <laughs> uh, let's see uh, no he's he's brothers with David Carradine I guess shit i don't know whatever anyway so uh showbiz in her blood which panned out to i think about three movies and a bunch of tv apparently so that's where martha plimpton ended up and then uh probably the 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 well there's sean astin and then josh brolin who came. yeah and they pretty play pretty straight up characters i thought i thought you know of any of anything about the relationships in this film i really like the two brother relationships of brand and mikey i thought it had had a you know uh, being in a, from a family of all brothers, it, it was it was a very realistic. You know that you you fight and you tease and you you know you sort of uh, 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 physically abuse your younger brother, but you right. love him too. Yeah, you only okay. hurt him because you love him so much. Well, I was an only child, so you know I have uh, I come from a uh, a different perspective where I, I I begrudge my parents for my lack of siblings. I'll tell you that much. But um, I, think I, I, thought that the, I thought that the relationship was uh, uh, pretty realistic, and I really enjoyed those two characters. I thought they were pretty. I thought I thought their interplay was really nice and well written. Huh. Good, and it wasn't. Uh, yeah, because the rest of the movie is, like you said, has some stereotypes and is pretty cheesy. And mm-hmm. uh, I like how there's this 
Italian crime family just oh, loitering man. around Astoria. And I was thinking, what kind of man, you gotta be really on the outs with the, the, the New York crime bosses to be relegated to Astoria, Oregon to make your uh mob living, you know. Do your counterfeit even... work? Well I guess it's probably a good pretty good place to hang out. I don't know why you have to occupy a semi-abandoned restaurant <laughs> to do the work there. It seems like you could just rent a house with some cash. Well, I like how they, they break uh, the – what's the what's the, the one brother? The more Italian of the two. There's Joey Pants and then there's, uh, I guess, Robert Davey. Is that, is he yeah, the, uh, yeah. Boy, I, I, always, I always like uh, uh, Robert Davi. We see, yeah, Davi. We've seen him in yeah. like, uh, Showgirls and stuff. And, and this is a really early uh, Joey Pants yeah, I hardly recognize him. And he's already him. bald. Boy, that guy's yeah, bald. Yeah, he has, already has a hairpiece. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to see uh, Pants. I, I, for some, something about him, I just really always like his roles. He always plays like despicable people in every one of his films. Uh, you know, he was uh, Guido the Pimp in uh, Risky Business. Uh, he, he played the, uh, I guess, the antagonist in Memento. Remember oh, that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a really good performance. And then he was, of course, the traitor in The Matrix. I yeah, I thought one of the, one of the, you know, he was one of the characters that actually had a little depth to him. I, I love the scene where he's eating steak. I think that's a really Yeah, key, he's eating steak. That's a, that's, that's a real key uh, scene, sets the, the, the feel. Sadly, that's the like the best scene in the matrix trilogy it, it probably is steak. one of the best scenes because you know you really it really highlights the difference between the humans and and the machines right and he really uh, juxtaposed he, to each other he has an amoral standpoint and his yeah. standpoint was basically uh fuck it it's nice here you yeah. can go live in you can go live in the tunnels like a mole i'm gonna just yeah. gonna kick it here what's the problem yeah what's the difference really <laughs> yeah right oh so we're free but we live like shit in a in yeah. a toxic wasteland uh, yeah. i think i'll stay in my tube yeah, yeah it was that was probably a great so i've always liked him of course davi's always great too and i really you know talking about getting things burnt into your brain and ramsey's performance yeah always there was something always really very vibrant about her role as the matriarch of that family she I don't know what is, it is. She was probably one of the ugliest women in show business. And uh, I think that's, uh, she played a ton of stuff and a ton of movies. And you always know her when you see her, you know. Uh, she uh, she plays, like, throw mama from the train. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she always kind of plays, like, if you're needing that person, then you, you would go to Ann Ramsey. Yeah, you know, you wonder if she worked when she was a little younger. She wasn't, she couldn't have been that old. In this no, film? No, because she died when she was 58 and 88, yeah. so it was, she would have been like 55 in that Yeah, film. and there's one scene, there's a close-up where they, they pull up for a, a close-up on Anne's face, and she delivers a line that has, is strange, it was supposed to be a joke, but strangely it's played really sad, and so let, let, me just, All right. let me just play it and see if you remember it. Kids suck. She says, kids suck. Wow. And she Some sort of, there's sort of a man. sadness on her face where... She, I feel like she's regretted where her life and her family have come to. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, you're 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 a mob boss in Astoria, Oregon. I mean, you can do some Tillamook cheese smuggling and uh, maybe uh, crab poaching. I don't know what else there is to do. Where are you going to smuggle Tillamook cheese to? You got the sharp cheddar? Oh yeah, I got the I got the uh, extra sharp cheddar. Maybe into uh, Washington, because we have some pretty high cheese taxes in this state. Oh, man, I'll tell you, that was the worst. (laughs) Be bootlegging cheese across the board. Yo, bathtub cheese. (laughs) How many people have got to be killed before we legalize sharp cheddar again? Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I mean, you think think they're going to tax pot heavily in this state. You haven't taken a look (laughs) at their cheese taxes lately. They're pretty egregious. Oh, man. Uh, so yeah, I liked the crime family. Uh, that mm-hmm. was, it was an. I guess you needed some antagonists for the film, uh, and that yeah. kind of it seemed to work out. I guess I thought uh, three really neat actors to play that crime family. I thought they just. I thought that there was a lot to them for the the minimal amount of screen time they actually got. Yeah, they well you got when you got kind of the uh, the Jake Francis sibling interplay as well as the mikey brand sibling interplay oh you know i never thought about that sort of diptych that's set up in this film uh so uh, it's, it's, it, the thing is it's sort of different the 
the Mikey and uh, Brand that they're really loving, and the Francis and uh, Jake thing. Uh, Francis's mama Fratelli's favorite, and Jake always sort of feels jealous of that. So that's, that's a real different dynamic between the two brothers. I wonder if he, I wonder if they were trying to set something up. It just didn't really click for me. Well, I don't know. I mean, like you said, it's a kid's film, right? So you're yeah. going up with your siblings, so you kind of have, probably have a lot to relate to with regard to that. So, yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. It's huh. probably a, a little bit to that. Like, that's where brothers could go wrong. I don't know. Or, you know, in you know. a way, it sort of works because you feel like the, the father, you know, he's, he's played sort of as a sort of as an airhead, sort yeah. of a flighty man. And you wonder if he's really there that much. Well, I think you know, he's so. Maybe little, it is almost like it's just just the mother, just like Mama Fratelli. He's a bit of a rube, Papa Walsh, and I'll say why. Because they're standing on the beach, they have like a little leather sack full of what looks like glass jewels. Oh yeah, and uh, he, he automatically like, oh well, shit. Here, uh, this is all we need. You know, yeah. he can he can do the appraisal of of the carrot rating of each one of those uh, we, fake he is gems. A, he is a curator for a for the <laughs> world-renowned uh, Astoria Museum. And so he Where probably just has a good up... eye for real pieces of antiquity. Yeah, so when you just... Tell. Right, so you, when you you know, you know see a couple of jewels and like rip up the foreclosure. I mean, it's a yeah. kid's thing, right? So it's for the kids. But uh, Yeah, but um, I, didn't, I didn't really like that actor. I didn't like that father figure. I thought it was a sort of a crummy depiction of a father. Oh, a crummy depiction of a father. Really? What, yeah. What do you mean? Well, you know, he couldn't provide for his family, and uh, he just oh. felt that he was a little bit of a bumbler, and maybe that, um, you know, his career really wasn't going the way it could have been going. You know, it was a little, okay. he was a little, he was sort of not successful in a certain sense, and he seemed like so, a bit of an airhead. Yeah, he seemed pretty dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, the the legend of One Eyed Willie, uh, he was a pirate who, for whatever reason, was uh, ravaging the northwest coast back in the early 1800s. I don't know if there was a lot there, really, to be honest. Oh, I thought he was on the run, and he just ended up in that area. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, he he was a pirate. They chased him all the way up there? Yeah, they chased him all the way up the uh, western side of the Americas. They found, like, a Caribbean pirate stereotype, and he Mm -hmm. just went all the way around the the Cape Horn and up the South American. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is I think so. Yeah, well, he had a lot of gold with him. It might have been yeah. worth it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, he um, <laughs> manages to dock his pirate ship on the rocks, like in in pristine. in the rocks, in the rock. Well, yeah, like um, he had a lot of time on his hands and a lot of sizal rope. Well, that the Columbia Bar off of Astoria is <laughs> yeah a lot of rope is uh, I guess like shipwreck capital of the U.S. There's uh, Oh, a massive it? amount of shipwrecks out there. Yeah, there's some diving because, possibilities. I wonder how deep the water is out there. Does it drop uh, off it's, a, fast? it's a mess out there. Uh, it's well, The bar is basically the submerged delta of the Columbia River. So it uh-huh. just kind of all that silt gets pushed out there. So it's fairly shallow, which makes for good fishing and crabbing and that kind of thing. Not uh, diving? Pro- was it too uh, deep for diving? It's thinking just the, diving off the Washington coast just seems fucking like awful because it's so just dangerous so tur- well it's so turbulent dangerous the currents are bad and, and it's just sand you know there's, oh. there's not like any sort of anything that go unless you're looking for a wreck or something yeah uh but anyway so what happens is you got really shallow water and it's when there's a shallow water it's easy for the the, the it, to get really rough just because the waves have more energy on the top surface so it just uh wrecks a lot of boats out there and actually there's a coast guard station in washington state across the water from astoria in Waco or something and they have those crazy coast guard boats that just roll you know they just roll off the waves and they just self-right and uh you know you can keep on doing what you're doing so fishermen get in trouble out there a lot and so i guess it would make sense you know uh, you, you 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 can founder your ship uh, a pirate ship off of but to get it into the rocks to park it inside and kind of I don't know. Even as a kid, I didn't believe that. As a kid, I, I had a little problem with that. Really, I didn't question it as a kid. I just thought, all right, they ended up inside a mountain. <laughs> Build like a fucking cave around a ship. And then all know. these all, all these mechanical devices, these weights and stuff, were pretty weird. 
Yeah, to to, to have a to have a a, a, a a booby trap work after two hundred years is uh, yeah. Yeah, that's some that's some technology like One wooden really gears. A, yeah, wooden wooden uh, block and tackle systems. Yeah, you know, holding up a <laughs> giant like Boulder. five ton boulders inside of a. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was pretty it remind, uh, pretty fanciful. You'd have to be pretty crazy, and to like live inside of a uh, like a, a sea stack for how long? Like twenty, thirty years, just tunneling it out, and building booby traps, and I always had the feeling that they uh, they got it all set up, and then everybody killed themselves because everybody's got like a sword through their chest. Oh, you're right, and the two daggers to the eyes. And then I had a feeling that one eyed Jack with all his friends dead around him and. De- decomposing he just sat there and died from like malnutrition because <laughs> he knew that in uh 400 years there'd be some kids that came in there <laughs> That's right. and he wanted to scare the shit out he's of him. like so oh, he's this is gonna get... be this is gonna be the best oh man i'm totally gonna get these kids so he's gonna get in his pilot pirate uh regalia and yeah. uh all the other pirates were dead all of them had like sores through their chests well there's my favorite was the guy with the twin daggers through the eyes Think how oh, badass yeah. that would have been. Just like yeah. stab some dude through the eyes right yeah, through Yeah, I wonder skull. if he did it to himself. <laughs> you know, another thing, why why is um why is one eye Jack's eye socket one filled eyed in Willie. with bone? One eyed Willie's eye socket filled in with bone. He he might have been just uh, deformed. Like uh, a birth defect? You know, I've never heard of a birth defect where you just have this skull plate of bone. Yeah, I don't think you know what I think. I think the guy who made up the prop didn't didn't have a good uh, grasp on uh, skull formation. Well, okay, the the person that made up the props a lot of this movie didn't have a good grasp of what they were doing. uh, (laughs) Like, well, for starters, let's dye the water blue to get it some depth in the uh, in the cave lagoon. Oh, I I didn't notice that. Oh, you didn't notice the blue dye in the water? No, crazy. I just just I thought it was magical with the lighting. (laughs) I'm not sure how light got in there because it was supposed to be all dark inside. One-eyed Willie had a, 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 a tube of periscopes and refracting lenses that uh, made like a skylight. Oh, yeah, maybe that. Maybe he used surface. some of those compact, compact fluorescents. Those last a long time. I also like that they had the technology to build uh, safe, safe water slides. Yes, water slides. While they were in there, they developed the, the art of fiberglass construction. <laughs> So so back in the day, you and I remember, I, like, the water parks were huge in the 80s. I, I don't know what it was with water parks and water slides. Was it, like, some new invention that could get fiberglass to do something a little different? Um, but there was, like, there was, like, three water parks in Seattle, which has shitty summers. And uh, there was one out in Issaquah called, like, Waterworks. Uh, there's still one down in Federal Way. Uh, Wild uh, Waves. Was, it's Wild still there. Waves. I rode past it the other day. Yeah, and but then you started to get in like the dark part of water parks coming out in the news. Like uh, they'd have these partial tunnels, and kids would sit up and then they would smack their teeth in, you know, on the edges of the uh, the, the whatever. <laughs> That's good and, stuff. Uh, yeah, I remember as a kid, like my mom dumped me at this YMCA day camp it was fucking awful it was just full of a bunch of juvenile delinquents who hated me and <laughs> one of our trips was to this water park off evergreen way there was like water slides really i don't know they were really lame but uh yeah i thought that was the greatest shit ever uh, i was i was totally into the uh the water slides um i think we went to wild waves for like some high school trip once i remember going there uh, but yeah, no, it, it, and so they were exploiting that with, uh, Goonies, you know, the whole water park thing. I don't have any more stories about water parks. You ever been to a water park? Uh, well, I was a little bit of a fat kid, so I didn't really like going to water parks. You could have put on your fat kid t-shirt. That was no, perfectly I'm not acceptable. Go to a water park with a t-shirt. I saw plenty of kids doing that. Yeah. Plenty of kids that had no self pride, enough pride not to go to a water park, <laughs> stay home and play video games like a fat kid should. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow you're you're not doing yourself any sort of uh you know favor here by denigrating the fat kids and uh we always shame. hate what we truly are That's oh, why i hate okay. myself mark would you uh you you'd have little signs at the water park you're too if you're this wide you're too fat yeah. to ride this ride they should have like a they should basically put like a big washer at the top of the tube and if you can't get through that washer <laughs> 
You can't ride on the slide. It keeps the it keeps the older uh, guys out of there too. You don't want the adults. So they have like a little the test, side. like a little test tube. No pun intended. Yeah. Where, where yeah, it's they just got like a constriction a... right at the end of the tube, and if they can't kick you through that, you know, they, they, <laughs> they pop you back out the other way and say, "Get to get out of here." And then, kid. The, and then the pool like ends up like someplace like near a like a hot dog stand where everybody can laugh at you as you. Uh, as your feet dangle out of the tube because you're too fat to get through it. You know what they could do is do like you ever you ever have one of those uh, change sorters that worked on gravity and a bunch of size yeah. slots. They could do right. that, and they could uh, they could <laughs> divide the kids into different sizes. And the, the fattest <laughs> size, you know, the first one, if you can't get through the second sizing slot, they just kick you right out the front door. So you get the fuck out of here. <laughs> There's like this shitty little like two foot deep wading yeah. pool out in the parking lot. In the park, it just <laughs> drops you. <in> a, <laughs> Uh, well maybe that's why water parks failed Uh, maybe people want a very positive (laughs) reaction to that more shame and humiliation needed to be incorporated into the water parks (laughs) maybe we should have been Um, more inclusive there's a uh indoor water park for some reason in centralia that rose and i drive by and we just for some reason uh just uh salivated the chance of going to and so we're gonna have a baby and we're pretty excited because, you know, maybe in four or five years we can go down to the Great Wolf Lodge water park and, uh, you know, kill a Saturday. I don't know. I just For some reason I, like, get really nostalgic for water parks and am excited at the chance that I may, you know, get to relive a little Take bit of that. Take your kid there so, and scare the living shit out of her. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, yeah, throw her down like some, you know, 100-yard speed slide. I did write down those those ones that were sort of got vertical. I thought those were pretty fun. Yeah, where you feel like you're going to fly off of the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You sort of like you sort of go into free fall for a few moments. It's pretty fun. And that actually works uh, well with the fat kid. Yeah, I can imagine get some get some speed going. Well, no, I mean it's more of an experiment of physics, as you see that the uh, the acceleration due to gravity is independent of your uh, mass. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, also, water parks were rife with uh, uh, di- like people like whatever the norovirus would break out in those fucking places all the time too. Or, or like know. amoeboid brain am- amoeba diseases. Oh yeah. Where your brain just rots out of you. Yeah. Yeah. They, where yeah. amoebas eat your brain. Yeah. That's more of a lake so, problem actually. So yeah. One-eyed Willie, big fan of the water parks, inventor of the water park. I would say, uh, he, he was there before anybody else. Yeah. He and, just uh, didn't figure out how to monetize it, which is always the key for early inventors. Can you monetize it or not? Yeah, he just hoarded his gold. And, he didn't need to. Yeah. He already had all the money he needed. So Yeah. So uh, I wanted to talk just to be – and we're kind of running along. But like Spielberg, you hate Spielberg uh, yes. because of his uh, – well, I would say his – what is it about? His, his emotional extortion, his forcing you to feel emotionally a certain way in all his films? Yeah, he, he obviously films like any art form, as we've discussed, are meant to evoke – a feeling in the viewer or the person experiencing your art and it sort of has to come naturally from the viewer that has to you you ha, you can have some intention but the if the actual emotion or feeling is evoked is really voluntary but i feel by the viewer but i feel that spielberg really plays it really heavy-handed it demands that you feel a particular way demands that this emotion be evoked from you and I just find it like anybody yelling at you to do something. I find it offensive. But you give him a pass on this movie. I mean, he came up with the story and he produced. He didn't direct yeah. it, but he had enough of a hand in it that his his uh, stank is all over this film. But it's yeah. a kids' movie, so yeah, it's a kids' movie. It's like like uh, if we reviewed books on our podcast, would we rip some children's book a new asshole for being too simplistic. <laughs> For oh, not man. setting up a believable universe and sticking to its own rules, probably Don't get not. me started on the Phantom Tollbooth. So I think that, that and what I think Ebert hopefully will do, and what I think he probably will do, is he'll uh, review a movie in the genre that it exists. And I think for a kid's All movie, right. it's really effective. Let's hit up some Ebert. So Ebert starts out, uh, he reviews this uh, back in 1985. Uh, The Goonies is a smooth mixture of the usual ingredients from Steven Spielberg action movies. And uh, so 
I guess he talks mostly about Spiel, Steven Spielberg in this review, which makes me think that that's really, this movie is more of a Steven Spielberg film, and he just brought in Donner for his action film sensibilities. Right. So you feel like Spielberg was there on the set every day sort of supervising things. Yeah, I read somewhere that, that he was sort of viewed as a co-director yeah. by Donner. So um, so Spielberg gets right to talking about the idea of this as a children's movie. He says, there used to be children's movies and adult movies. And he says, now Spielberg has found an in-between niche for young teenagers who have fairly sophisticated tastes in horror. So I guess he's not really saying this is the classic children's slash adult film where there's two different narratives that both groups can enjoy He's saying this is more of a older children's uh movie sort of a pg-13 before yeah did pg-13 yeah. exist at this point maybe? no but uh the kids definitely have a adult sensibility that i don't think would pass muster if this was released today like uh you know uh mouth going on to the hispanic uh maid with all the uh you know, talking about all the torture Cocaine devices, sexual and torture, and yeah, yeah the drugs. You know, that and was... then there's the scene with uh, breaking the the, the 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 wiener off of the David statue. Yeah. yeah, so this is classic. You know, I think Spielberg's always already going for PG thirteen before it even existed. I wonder if it was sort of made. I wonder if he was a big force behind the uh, the ratings board adding that uh, that rating to films. I don't know, but yeah, PG thirteen now is just. I think of like James Bond films that uh, it's every it's everything but the explicit sex and and bloody violence. Exactly, it's everything I hate about movies. Put sex yeah, right. and violence in there, but no blood or or tits. Absolutely yeah, outrageous. Stupid. Right. Um. Anyway, so another thing I can hate Steven Spielberg about. He goes talking about the uh, sort of potty mouths of the kids. He says uh, one of the most memorable scenes in E. T. was uh, the time that uh, the one of the kids used the term penis breath. Yeah. I remember that being sort of shocked by it a little bit as a kid. Penis I think breath. My parents were a little shocked by it. The two brother and sister are calling each other names. I'm not sure who calls who, but one person gets called a penis breath, which I guess means that they must be accusing the other kid of sucking dick or something, which is sort of weird. Well, yeah. Wouldn't that kind of be the, the connotation? I guess, or maybe auto fellatio or something. <laughs> um, anyways, he says, um, this movie also has that, which we've just talked about. And he says the dialogue hears and acknowledges the precocious way that kids incorporate vulgarity into their conversations. I guess it's probably more realistic. I don't remember swearing a lot as a kid, but I was a I nice do. kid. I remember, I remember, yeah, like about this age, uh, junior high, I remember a lot of foul mouthery. Uh, so, yeah, he says Spielberg no doubt argues that most kids talk like that half the time, and he is right is what Ebert says. So it sounds like yeah. that's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of, I can appreciate the honesty there. Um, also, see here, he says, he compares Goonies to gremlins, and it walks, that it walks a thin line between cheerfulness and gruesomeness. And Australia, this movie doesn't seem that gruesome. I guess it has really. skulls and stuff, but maybe from an 80s standpoint, it's a little more gruesome, but it's all, it's all pretty cartoonish. Sloth, Sloth is kind of gruesome just because he's so deformed. Yeah, but he's sort of cute, too, with the ears that move back and forth. He's sort of like a muppet. Yeah. I yeah, don't know. That's it's, true. It's not real. I don't, I don't know if I'd call this movie gruesome. Um, but he says that uh, Spielberg is trusting that his, uh, his child, the, the children watching his movie, have the ability to take some heavy-duty stuff. <laughs> it's really heavy duty. I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, the most heavy duty thing in this film is the stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he spends a whole one sentence talking about the stereotypes. And he says uh, they also pick up a couple of girls to tag along on their adventure, whose function is to swap spit and get bats in their hair. So yeah. you can okay. see where uh, Ebert's a total sexist. Now I'm joking. <laughs> uh, he says there is the third brother, the Quasimodo ish freak. Who was chained in the cellar, and that made me think: Is there a third brother to uh, Mikey and uh, no. Brand that's chained down so. in the basement of their house in the, <laughs> in the Goondocks? I mean, we're thinking about that that scene where Mouth is talking to the the uh, Spanish woman, and he's sort of talking about like a a dungeon in the cellar. Maybe there is really a third brother down there. A freak. Uh, let's go. And that ahead sort of and fills out no. the diptych. I, I'd like no. to believe that. I, no. I'm going to believe that from now on. No. All right. Okay. Uh, let's see what else he says. He says, 
talking about his feelings about the movie. They enjoyed watching it and he was exhilarated by it. But afterward, he says he was less enthusiastic. He says the movie is totally manipulative, uh, which would be okay, except it doesn't lift the spirit like in a film like E.T. It was high energy without the sweetness. Yes. And no values to enjoy behind it. And he says that uh, this movie shows that Spielberg and his directors are absolute masters of how to excite and involve the audience in that excitement, I guess. But he says, unlike E.T. or Close Encounters of the Third Kind, it doesn't make us wonder and dream. Yeah, that's true. I sort of for, I mean, this is all classic Spielberg stuff, and I guess I forgive him for it in a kid's film. Well, that's maybe his, I don't know, that was his true niche, right? That's what made him the rich bastard that he is, was all these 80s kids' movies. Yeah. Uh, E.T., Gremlins, Goonies, um, you know, all those films did just a shitload of money. Uh, Same with, uh, you know, Indiana Jones. Well, it's kind of funny because this movie is a little bit of a a kid's version of Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. I think it it works really well, personally. Capitalizing on that whole... uh, I don't know, ancient mystery thing that uh, Indiana Jones is all about. So, but uh, yeah, a good movie. I, I just, I just forgot how cheesy it was. It's just so cheesy. But <laughs> it's really I, cheesy I, and I, totally I, unbelievable. I, I guess as a kid, you just you give that stuff a pass, and so yeah, maybe that's, that's why, why it's really that's a kid's why movie. this heavy hand of Spielberg works because you got to yeah. give it a pass because it's a kid's film. And I would show my kid this over any Pixar movie any day because I just really? Pixar is so. Oh, it's so contrived and it's so like, it's not edgy at all. All those Disney Pixar kids. Oh, man. In five years, I'm going to look edge. at your DVD collection. It's going to be full of Pixar movies. Uh, I know. I'm not saying I'm not going to be guilty. I'm just saying <laughs> that uh, whatever. So uh, anything else to say about Goonies? No, no. I think that uh, there's going to be some goons in the next movie we're doing, though, aren't there? Yeah, and do uh Polanski, kid fucker Polanski, as I like to call him. Yeah, we had to get. Did he? Did he actually fuck that fourteen-year-old uh, girl? Yeah. Or did he just? I read the. Uh, well, I read the uh, smoking gun deposition from from the court case mm-hmm. back then, and he did it like over at. Is it Angelica Houston? Is that is that the actress? She, yeah, anyway. Angelica Houston. What about her? At her house. Really? That's where he like basically raped this thirteen-year-old girl. Did he, was he renting the house or something? I don't know. He was just like in a room there. Huh. And, huh. Uh, you know, he, he somehow enticed this 13-year-old girl from the neighborhood. Oh, it was 13. I thought, I thought it was 14. <laughs> I know. It's a huge Nothing difference. It makes a big difference. I, <laughs> I, just, I and, guess I really researched it at all. I know. I, and uh, I find it interesting that the United States government is on this huge manhunt for NSA leaker Snowden, but yet they'll just let Kit Funker, Kit Fucker Polanski just roam Europe uh, completely unhindered. Man, but he makes good films. He makes good films, and I think that... Uh, I guess. I guess that's like, how you know, we... it's just like It's just like uh, Michael Jackson. Sure, he may have diddled some <laughs> young boys, but you see that guy's dance moves? That you know, fucking guy could dance. Wow, we're all a bunch of hypocrites. I hate we to are. say it. We are. Yeah, we're we just are a, a bunch, bunch of hypocrites. horrible hypocrites where we... I guess value people despite their transgressions, you know. Yeah, I mean, you could pretty if you're if you have a big enough value to society, you can be forgiven for anything. And plus, and also with the Snowden business, which one is which one is really a risk to the uh, government of the United States and the per- current power structure it's had? Some guy who raped a kid thirty years ago or whatever, or some yeah. guy who's leaking leaking current top secret information. No, I get you. No, I mean, it's, it's all very, pra- it, very it's apparent. It's the impracticality. The, it's the practicalities that uh, really matter, not the uh, not the overriding moralities of everything. I guess we're just not worried that Polanski's going to go out and rape another 13-year-old. So we'll just, you I mean, know, live and let live. This, do you really care? <laughs> do I care? Yeah. No, because I watch Roman Polanski movies. If I really yeah. gave a shit, I would stop watching his films. Yeah, but, I really uh, don't care. I, no, I've actually like I think Ghost Rider. I went and I paid to I go that's see pretty that good. film. The th- yeah, so it's it's you know what am I going to say? I'm a hypocrite. So uh, so which anyway. of these which of the fine Polanski movies will we be looking? We'll at? We'll be looking at Chinatown starring Jack Nicholson. Which is I think that'll I think a, that'll you know that's always one of his top movies. You know the tops. I looked around because I really wanted to do a Polanski film, but I didn't want to do Rosemary's Baby. 
you know, all his top films, they sort of bounce around a little bit, but it's usually like between Rosemary's Baby and Chinatown as his top. Agreed. Film. Yeah, those are so. his uh, top, top two, I would say. So, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully my internet connection will stabilize. We've, I've been having some technical issues with uh, our beloved Comcast Corporation. That's Comcast. Internet connection. Uh, up and going. So I, I don't know what's going on there. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's obviously, you know, me. That's the problem, according to the technicians in India. So, uh, but anyway. It's your so use of the internet that's the problem. Yeah. So hopefully I'll be still up and going and we can do this because Mark and I do this over the interwebs. We're not actually. Yeah, I guess we might have to actually get together. Oh. That's horrible. But to get in our car and drive someplace? Fucking A. I don't know. (laughs) Well, okay. So hopefully uh, soon we'll put out the 80th podcast. Ooh, uh, that's right. I guess uh, next week. So until next week. God put that rock there for a purpose and um, I'm not so sure you should um, move it.